Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. Welcome everybody. Um, I'm so glad to be here again um, together with everybody. And um, last week, well, let's see. So this is going to be the second class in a, a series, a three-class series. And the, the series is called Zen, Zen, Practice of Awakened Life. And that comes from something that I heard Datsu Tom Wright say. And he said, we don't sit Zen to attain enlightenment. Zazen is enlightened activity. So that made me think, and this is a review for some of you. Oh, hey, Jay, so glad you came here. Um, made me think, um, that made me think, what else is enlightened activity? And, um, and so I think it is uh, uh, anything that we do to um, support our own practice or the practice of any of others and of the others that we sit with. And so last session, we explored the enlightened activity of online forms and Zazen posture and closed by sitting Zazen together. And it, oh good, hey, Genev, so glad to see everybody. Um, so um, if you missed it, it's online and, uh, you know, check it out. Um, today's class is, I'm titling, Practicing at Home with Everyone. Because even though we're not physically in the Zendo, we can embody Zen forms that connect us to ourselves, our Sangha, our Zen ancestors, and all of life. The forms themselves are enlightened activity. And I'm so grateful to all the people who make this online Sangha possible. Practicing live and in person in a Zendo is a wonderful experience. And I really hope that some of you are able to uh, come to Appamata sometime and experience that or, or even at uh, any other Zendo. Um, but being able to practice online is such a gift. Uh, some of us have grown to love practicing with the Appamata Sangha, even though we live across the country or across the world. And even folks in Austin. Uh, sometimes practice online due to illness, difficulties of difficulties of age, concerns about COVID, or just uh, the traffic, <laughs> things like that. It, it's it's very uh, uh, very convenient that we can all come together like this. And for me, the online sangha made it possible to continue practicing with Appamata even after I moved to Richmond. So it's a real gift. So the cloud zendo and the live zendo merge into one zendo, one sangha. But it can be easy to forget this when we are practicing at home alone. Having a home practice that includes the forms helps us maintain our awareness of practicing together with everyone. And the talk today will be about, will be about our home practice. And um, what I'm going to do is allow uh, time to question and comment. 
periodically through the talk, but um, some sometimes especially describing forms, it can be, if you're just like totally lost or something, please go ahead and raise your hand and let me clarify something, but there will be spaces periodically as well. So first, it's helpful, helpful to designate an area in your home where you usually sit. This supports Zazen. Your body and mind begin to associate this area with sitting. When you come to this area, your body and mind know what's happening. A designated room is wonderful, but not necessary and often not possible. It might be just a small corner of a room. And I've known people who made sitting areas in their walk-in closets. In my early life as a meditator, at one point, I just had a little cleared space on the bottom shelf of, of a bookshelf. And then I would go and sit there early in the morning before the family woke up. So it was just a little space on a bookshelf. Um, any designated area where you are not likely to be interrupted is fine. So in this area, it's really nice to honor yourself in the space and the practice by creating an altar. And it does not need to be elaborate. It's just for you and it just needs to be meaningful to you. Maybe just a flower and a candle. Maybe add something personal or something that reminds you of a specific teaching. And um, Kim and I have collected some pictures to share and some of you have been contributors uh, of uh, Sangha members' personal home altars. And I thought you might like to see these, look at them, discuss them. And so here we go. Okay, so uh, the uh, Sangha member who sent, uh, who, uh, sent this to me uh, told me a little bit about this altar. Um, the Trayvon, uh, the, uh, the, to the, the right towards the back, that's an image uh, it's of Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. And it's got a poem written by his mother. And she keeps it there, she said, um, to remind her of uh, all, our, all my ancient twisted karma. Uh, so that's a little reminder of, of a teaching that she keeps right there on her altar. To the um, uh, the big statue in the middle is Kuan Yin, uh, goddess of compassion, uh, and then the photograph to to your left is that's a, a young flint and a young peg. Uh, I think that was Peg's ordination day. Kim might know. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And. Um, and then I'm not sure about the other things, but you can just look, looks like she has a stone, some stones, the flower. I wondered about the flower and I didn't get a chance to answer her, but that's an, that's an aging flower. That's a dying flower, <laughs> you know? And I, I'm wondering if that has significance to her. So this is just a good example of whatever moves you, you know, you can put on your altar. Okay, let's look at the next one. Okay. Oh, that's my altar. Mm. I have a bright living flower on mine. <laughs> uh, 
I like to keep I like to keep a flower going on on my altar. Um, and it, this one is personalized in a couple. Well, uh, this one's personalized in a number of ways. The the Buddha my son gave me, and it's a very basic Buddha. And I don't know if I just like it, and I like it that he gave it to me. And actually, uh, the that's a a, a, a crystal, uh, an uncleaned crystal on uh, just to the Buddha's uh, left knee that my son got from a cave. He probably wasn't supposed to take it, but he got it from a cave in Mexico and uh, brought it to me. And he and I both agreed. We like it. We like it dirty, <laughs> beautiful and dirty. And then the one to the other side of the Buddha, Kim gave me that. He probably doesn't even remember it. But we were at uh, the gay uh, gay pride. Uh, we had a booth. Appamata had a booth at Gay Pride, and there's this lovely woman who paints these little Jizo figures, these little Bodhisattva figures on rocks, and gives them to people all over the country. And she gave us a whole bunch to give out at, at Gay Pride. And this was a big one. And Kim Kim probably doesn't remember this, but he handed it to me and he said, uh, "This is for you to keep for the sangha." hold on to this for the Sangha because he won't just say, here, you can have this. <laughs> and so I was just a little confused, like, okay, thanks. I'll keep it for the Sangha. And so here these years later, I finally figured out I'm still keeping it for the Sangha, but I put it on my altar. <laughs> and uh, and then the little skull, that's because that's a teaching for me, uh, the inevitability of death. Okay, let's see what else. Wait, wait, before yeah, you move on. on. Oh, well, What's in the, well, first of all, the skull, I thought about Day of the Dead and the connection between life and death, and mm -hmm. that's beautiful, but what's in the bowl? Okay, that is, um, that's a ash, okay. it's a ash that you can order from monastery so stores, and I think it's supposed to be some kind of temple ash, mm -hmm. and then that's incense laying across the little bowl, and oh. then you can light the incense and like stick it in the ash, and then it sticks straight up. Okay. And then my question is, the picture behind, is that an altar? I wanted to, I'm glad you mentioned that, Jay. That's really the important part of it to me because that's once I was in a course uh, that Peg gave and um, somebody wanted a picture, wanted to make a home altar and asked Peg for a picture of hers and she sent it and I kept Ooh. it and framed it. And I keep it a lot of times people will put pictures of their teacher on their altar, but somehow it's felt to me more like I liked having a picture of Peg's altar. Yeah. Like having both of our altars. No, and I I did find that very, um, I don't know, interesting or move. I just like, you know, it, it kept pulling me in, honestly, like wow. the one on the wall and then the one, you know, I just kept going by. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And did, did you talk about the white bowl on the left? Did I talk about the white bowl? Oh, the white bowl on the left, that was, uh, I received that when I received the precepts and I keep water in it. Oh, okay. So I've got water, I've got earth, water, air, air, fire. It's all on there <laughs> in some way or another. Any other uh, comments or questions on this one? Okay, let's see what else we got. Okay, I love this altar. Um, and she didn't explain this one to me, 
but I have heard her talk about her altar before. And this woman really likes to take walks in nature. And so the and and so a lot of this, these are found objects. You could, it looks like there's a nest maybe of some sort in the back and a bunch of little found objects, things she finds on her walk and she likes to keep them there on her altar. You can see a crystal there, her bell, a lovely little sculpture of somebody in meditation. These are kind of portraits of the person who assembled it, aren't they? Yeah, in a lot of ways. And it looks like she has a specific teaching or something that is important to her written right there in the middle. And for a long time, and for some reason, I haven't been doing it lately. A long time, I was keeping Lojong slogans on mine. Any comments about this? Are we ready to look at another one? Okay, let's see another. I, I was just going to say, I just love how personal they all feel. You know, you can really feel the personality of the person. They really do. And I, I, I do like, no, no, sorry. I do like um, the table covering. I don't know if you saw the writings on the table covering. Yeah. Like, I thought of the Buddha wheel that's. Uh, oh, I see it. Yeah. There yeah. Is. And the, um, what do you call it? The, the, Mm. the Sanskrit writing you know so I, I think they obviously mean something but I, I thought that was beautiful I, I th thought of um, world religion you know where we're all connected you know at the end of it, it they all teach love and oneness and the implementation is a different thing but the teaching at its um, core I think is always the same thing so yeah it's very nice and some people put cloths, some people don't. You'll see all kinds of configurations. Now, this one, what I noticed about this one is it is how it ex, it's so expanded. You've got her altar, but then you've got all these little shelves around it, and even even to the windowsill. Yeah. And um, what are these little flags? Those are Tibetan Tibetan flags, Tibetan Buddhist flags. What? It looks like she has a picture of a teacher on the wall there uh, to the right of the Buddha. Yeah. And I'm not sure that may be a candle. Well, there's definitely a candle there. I see a Kuan Yin statue in the window. I, it, it all looks like one big altar to me, the way she's done it. So, so is Kuan Yin the equivalent to Avalokiteshvara, or I think, or the is I think more or less Chinese, Chinese uh, the Chan. I, I either yes or more or less. Mala is nodding yes. Yes, and and the gender yes. changed from Chinese to Japanese. Avalokiteshvara was male, male. And onion is spring, female. Yeah. So th thank you, Marla. Yeah, and thank you, Trouty was just here a minute ago, and she went to a seminar on Avalokiteshvara yesterday, and she said that originally uh, there were only 12 hands, and that was really exciting from some archaeological discovery. Uh -huh. Wow. You know, instead of a thousand hands. So anyway. 
make a statue, you would have to eliminate some of those hands. <laughs> Somehow they all thought this was important. Ishvara is male. Avalokiteshvara is, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then Kuan Yin is the female form. Okay, let's take a look at another one. Okay, Kim, the, you're on. Talk about uh, Linda's. Oh, this is the, in Linda's tea room and it's an alcove. And when you come in, you look at the flower and you look at the, the scroll and then you look back at the flower and then you go to your seat. So I think of it as an altar, but Linda said no. And then she explained that sometimes there are altars in tea rooms. So, so uh, but it's certainly a focal point for the room. Certainly a focal point. Uh, do you know what these objects are on the shell, on the little um, piece? No, I suspect the, the one thing and that's brass is something for incense. Okay. Um, the other thing interesting is her flower arrangements are really, really minimal. And it's also something found, it wouldn't be something you'd buy in a store. Mm. It would be just something really, really minimal. And her students gave her that scroll. I, it, it, it's really beautiful what it says, but I can't remember. It's a, it's a long thing, but I think the, the it's a Japanese uh, calligraphy and it was done. Uh, they kind of ordered it to be done. It's it's just wow. 2013, whatever the year is, 2023. I guess. Nice. Thank you, Kim. May I ask a question, uh, interject a question about incense? Um, I am smell sensitive and I'm not allowed to have burning. And I have a feeling that incense is not about burning it like in the 70s when we were hippies. Um, can anyone explain to me how that works? Well, we have basically a, a, a scentless incense in the Zendo, though it's not exactly, but it's pretty close. But that might be something you could use. But Ellen, I don't know what else. To say. Uh, well, you don't have to use incense, you know, on your home altar. You don't have to use incense. You could but also have it and not burn it. Pardon? You could also have it and not burn it. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Because I like the idea of it. I just don't experience it well in my head. <laughs> yeah, I think Jeanette's idea is good. Yes, isn't thank you. Isn't the purpose of it that, that uh, it fixes a sense as, in, as a different uh, body experience that is connected? Um, maybe. Uh, I always think of it as uh, air. I think of it as elemental, but I don't know for sure. What you said sounds as good as anything else to me. Also, the, the stick incense is the duration of our sitting. That's I mean, true. theoretically. More or less, yeah. But, but ours burns a lot quicker than that. But I think uh, originally that's what it was about. You could know how long you, 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 you sat as long as the incense burned. I remember in one of the classes that um, Apamana gave where they talked about incense not being too strong to distract you, right? You know, it's not something that's supposed to be, um, how do you call it? 
aromatic, too aromatic, because then it, you know, uh, I can't remember the terminology used, but yeah, it's supposed to um, somehow send to you, but not distract you, right? So, yeah. Yeah, maybe so. I do remember that there have been some sense of in some sense that uh, really brought me to meditation because I so associated them with sitting. But uh, let's look at another picture. Okay, can that one be enlarged? Kim, where is this? I don't know. It's something you sent me. Oh, I thought it was something. I'm so sorry, guys. I don't know what this is. Oh. I, thought it, I thought it was something from Linda. Unless it's, oh, maybe it is. And maybe it, she sent it to me as an example of an alcove in a, in a bona fide tea room. So that That's must it. be it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, now. Do I, um, excuse me, do I do control minus to get it sharper? Um, Oh, well, yeah. then, it, yes, it will get smaller, too, of course. Right. This was a very small image. Is this Becky's? Yeah, it's an iPad sort of thing that oh, happens. I don't, have, I don't have any editing ability. Becky, tell us about your altar. Well, um, I always swore all my life when people were doing altars, I always swore I was never, ever, ever going to have an altar. But I found that that once I was here, I was gathering things because I always do. If I go outside and there happen to be interesting leaves or stones or whatever, uh, and I have a few that are precious to me. And so I found that they were all sort of ending up on the same, in the same place and so on. And, and then uh, at one point when Sheila was, was getting rid of all of her stuff, she gifted some things to Apamata to pass on to other people. And at a certain point, someone chose to send me the, um, the whichever manifestation of Avakashita Well, you know, which I can't, I still can't say, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, it was just so touching to me because it was my connection with Sheila, which is Steve, and and my favorite, uh, you know, the my favorite manifestation of of the teachings, and uh, I've always assumed that um, that they are transgendered, like multigendered. Uh, and, and so that's always felt perfectly comfortable to me. I usually call her she, um, and, um, yeah, so, so I, what I did was this is, this is pretty close to what my current one is. It changes all the time though. And, and that's, I call it my play altar. And I find that, that sometimes I, I barely notice it. And sometimes I'm completely completely focused with it and and so on and every time it changes of course I spend quite a long time with it and that is part of what I love the current one is uh, the the parts to it are mainly about the inner work I've been doing in relationship to my uh, youngest daughter who is estranged um, and so 
the the picture at the top is a picture of me with her the day that that she came into our family, which she was adopted, and and uh, that's me exhausted lying there with her asleep on on me, and um, oh, now I see it. Yeah, yeah, and the card that's uh, on the right hand side is one that she sent to me that is a mother and child card. She sent it to me quite some time ago. And the, the, little, the little card off to the side on the left is the most beautiful picture of birds I've ever seen in some way. It is a, a bird that I knew in Texas. And, and I, I watched I watched it from when she made the nest. It's a, a flytail, uh, what are they called? Fly, fly uh, scissor-tailed flycatcher. And uh, her her nest, I watched her building her nest. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's okay, I could stay, so stay the story. And then the, her, her chicks, were hatched and that's a picture of her with her chick and it was taken by my brother-in-law and then I was I was there the morning that she was mourning the loss of her chicks because the raccoon had gotten up onto the uh, utility pole that she had been using and wrecked her wrecked her nest and she was mourning and I could tell that she was. I mean, it was the sounds. It was, it was everything about it. But the 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 look in her pick in her eyes is is so much love, so much love. And and I don't think I'm just projecting that. I really I really think it was there. And the the odd looking thing at the side that you can't quite tell is a bird that my 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 sister made for me out of out of material scraps and uh and the bowl is a bowl that a sister-in-law of mine who's a potter made uh and the the little rocks and so on well like one of them is a heart heart rock that darcy schneider gave me when she'd been walking on the beach when she came to visit me when i first moved back up here and other you know, other little things that have me. And I change it all the time, though. I, I love changing. It's very beautiful, Becky. Thank you so much. And I love how personal it is. It's deeply personal, and it really has helped me to stay focused, but without, without jumping into the whole process in relationship to my daughter and and at what point do I move differently than I am now in relationship to her? Right. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hey, let's look at another one. Oh, that's another one of mine. <laughs> that one yours too? Okay, go ahead. Yes, yes it is. Um, I, I often, when, when they're around, I pick up things, you know, and, 
and and so on. So this one has leaves, and it also has some some flowers that have dried. I I happen to like the whole. I I like. I think that. I think that flowers are quite beautiful as they age, just as we are. It's it's a it's a it's a, its own beauty, but by golly, it's beautiful. So one time I had the the rose petals that I had brought in with me because the roses were done having them. So I gathered them out out front and brought them in and put them all over the altar. And the assisted living worker who came who comes once they come once a week to help with certain aspects of the housekeeping. And so he was just so pleased with himself for, for gathering all of that up and putting it in the garbage. <laughs> and, and, and so I didn't say anything to him, but the next time he came, I said, you know, you can leave those there because I put them there on purpose. And he just, he looked horrified. And then I said, no, it's, it's all ephemeral. That every everything is ephemeral, and so it was just fine. And then we laughed together. Very cool. The the card there is one that someone sent me as a birthday card, and it in the inside it says, "Lamaste." Okay, a little pun, huh? For your yeah. own. <laughs> yes. And this is part of your main altar, or is this another scattered altar that you have elsewhere? No, this, this is the same the same statue. I see, and and many of the same rocks and so on. Oh. Uh, but you know, it just like I say, it just changes. That's what it does. <laughs> Thank you. Let's take a look at another one. That's another one. That was that's that's the one that I described described as. Um, you know that her name um, under the under the body tree, but different because it's in a different climate. Right. <laughs> I love all that green. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Becky. Yeah. Okay, let's see another one. Ah. Rosemary, tell us about your altar. So this is me. Um, so obviously Buddha sitting on a Chinese carton and a casserole dish and uh, <laughs> a box. Um, I do love to cook. So the casserole dish, I guess you could say is personal. Um, these three stones over here I found, oh, and there's the pen um, I found on Cape Cod. And um, for me, they represent the three treasures. They're all different. Uh, Buddha Dharma Sangha. Um, and um, once um, Flint said, you know, um, it's Buddha to Buddha and he that he put a mirror on his altar. So um, I have this little mirror, which isn't very nice. And I said to in one of our sessions, um, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, it's not a very nice mirror. And Jay said, well, put it up there. So I put it up there. Oh, I think the mirror is great. And then um, this is a little frog um, ready for what comes next. Um, this over here, these are stone. Well, it's one stone. I don't know if you can see it, but it's got, it's a stone that has a shell that kind of grew on top of it. 
and the shell has some really nice markings on it. it looks a little hieroglyphic kind of and then um and i you know i love nature and these are some eucalyptus leaves and um a bird feather i love birds asante is a, a son of a, a friend who just had um kidney transplant oh. wishing him well um my flowers this photo uh that you may recognize was is the photo of flint and um and peg um you know and i never knew whether the the red thread that they are tying together here whether it broke during the process or whether they wanted to show us the tying together i never knew if you know which it was but anyway what they're doing here is um and th this was for those of you who weren't there this is when flint came to austin after his dharma transmission to talk to us and um he did a whole process was anybody there besides well i know yeah. was there and and, was there online? and that's right so you guys saw that that there were two red balls of wool that went through the whole audience together so there they are tying it together there and um it's such a, you can hardly see it but below the statue and the cloth is a shadow of their hands so i know if you can see that so that reflection is very nice too and um, so, yeah, having them there is very personal. Um, the cloth, I was in Hawaii this past summer, um, not exactly with Flint, because I was on a different island, but I could see Molokai from where I was. And anyway, I wanted to bring back something that represented our connection as well and my connection to the Sangha. He is my connection to the Sangha. That's how I found it. Um, and um, yeah. So. You didn't say that that happened on Cape Cod that you connected with Flint. Oh, I didn't say that. That's true. Um, so in 2014, I, um, you know, I go to Cape Cod regularly for my continuing education credits for my license. They have, you know, a place where you can get a lot of credits in a short amount of time in a beautiful place. And I saw this listed Flint Sparks Buddhism and psychotherapy growing up and waking up like, oh, okay let me try that um it's totally foreign to me but obviously with flint um i was very blown away and from a psychology point of view it was my first introduction to internal family systems mm. and it really really deeply affected me um and um then i went back a few years later to see flint again same course and um but had no practice i didn't have a practice this is still very very foreign to me but i liked it i was attracted um and after that second time he said to us go back and try and find a group to meditate with and i made some attempts here in my area um but then the pandemic hit and i said okay Flint, i need some help are you having some retreats or you know and pretty soon apamata went online and then i I went to inquiry first and then I started sitting with the group. So that's, yes, that's how, that's how I um, connected with Flint and Apamata. So, yeah. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful altar and I particularly like the casserole, the casserole dish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there's something so intimate about those hands and the Buddha in the background overlooking like looking at them you know it's just something i don't know that hits me looking at that photo it's just so mesmerizing 
Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rosemary. Thank you. Okay, let's see. Something. Oh, I just wanted to show the doorway because um, I do enter uh, my room every time I sit in the way that you guys do in the Zendo. And um, this is where I enter and bow. And you can see my pillows on the floor, which I also wanted to, um, and my bell over there. And um, so, you know, I try to do what you guys do. I bow to my pillow, bow to the room, pick up my pillows, move them over. And um, so that's, you know, those are two king size pillows and a smaller pillow. And that's, how I, that's how I do that. I, I really appreciate you sending these that give us some perspective, you know, the whole area and how you use it. But those are just regular pillows, huh? Regular. They are. They are. And the, the smaller one is for my ankles. So I guess you could say that the taller ones are like the Zafu, like you're round, because yeah. that's, that's getting me up. Uh -huh. And then my ankles need some help, you know, underneath them. Um, yeah. So nice thank you so much you're welcome okay now uh yeah uh one of our sangha members sent this and i'm just now maybe because it's enlarged noticing this cord around the buddha's neck and and she did not send me any explanation <laughs> is that's what what do you think that is around uh the neck it looks like a necklace of beads actually well, like prayer beads I was seeing it as like an old-fashioned telephone cord. No, <laughs> prayer beads. Maybe it's yes. a mala. Like a mala, yeah. And that's a little Jiso figure uh, down, and then a beautiful cloth behind. So colorful. It's so colorful, and it's also very simple. And... Uh, because sometimes people don't have space to be uh, a, a very elaborate. And so it's nice to know it can just be very simple, just meaningful to you, you know? Okay, are there, are there more, Kim? Huh? This is the last one. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. So um, that's, our, that's our altar exhibit. And <laughs> I, I think you can, uh, see how how uh, how it changes your space. It makes it so your practice so personal, and this is really your space. This is where you sit with everybody, you know. And so, thank you so, to everybody who sent uh, sent us uh, those altar pictures. And anybody who doesn't mind, uh, Kim's looking at putting them on the uh, altar, pictures of those altars and any other altars anyone wants to send on our website. Okay, so um, now on to the forms that we do at home. And they're much the same as the forms we do in the live Zendo. We begin a sitting period by entering our meditation area. And so like uh, Rosemary has a threshold that she can enter with, and you may or may not, but if you have a threshold to cross, you take a step in, hands in gasho. This is called gasho. And um, I think we talked about it uh, at the other session about at the end of your nose, about a palm's, about a palm's width from your face. Of course, uh, you know, we had discussion too 
uh, that some people are more comfortable with something else, but this is traditionally gasho. So uh, you take a step in and you give a little bow. Um, and then you place your hands in shashu, which is left hand with thumb in and a loose fist, loose. And then you put the other hand over it like that. And then you put it like about the point of your diaphragm. That's shasho. And uh, so once, so you take a bow, you step, and then you step across and put your hands in shasho. And then, um, and then uh, go ahead and approach your altar. And if there, if you don't have a threshold, that's fine. You just uh, uh, put your hands in shasho and approach your altar. So, uh, oh, I wanted to say a little bit about the shashu form, the one with the, like that. Um, traditionally, monks walk through the zendo with their hands in shashu as a way of keeping their long sleeves off the floor. So you, you, you put, be like this, that would hold your sleeves up a bit. Um, but what we use it for is uh, sometimes the zendo is really full. And so instead of walking through, slinging, swinging your arms around, you know, you walk, you walk through holding your hands in shashu like the uh, uh, shashu like that. Ellen, Becky has a question. Yes. Well, actually, I wanted to contribute something. Is that in in Qigong, this that particular exact thing that you're describing? Yeah. It is is because the reason for it in in Qigong is that the space that's about an inch below your navel is considered to be your major energy center. That's a good point. I think I think generally um, this this form is held a little bit a little bit above the navel. Hmm. Not, uh, but but what you're pointing to is uh, when we sit uh, zazen, you know, we hold our hands traditionally, we hold our hands like this, the thumbs just lightly touching and fingers, but something like that, a little oval. And that that is generally held just in that place, Becky, just right below the navel. And that, that's connected, I'm sure. That's an important energy point too, I would say, as you sit, sometimes holding your energy, you know, in that that space. So yeah, and I, making that I think as things, as, thing, as things moved from China to Japan, that I think a certain amount of that wasn't quite acceptable in the way that the Chinese had blended them. Uh -huh. And there are other reasons that are given, but much of the stuff lands the same. So yeah. that's thing. I agree. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Yeah, Marla? Um, when we cross the threshold of Rosendo, are we supposed to cross the left foot first? Okay, the most recent thing I've heard on this, and that's why I did not mention it, is <laughs> because I keep hearing different things. Uh, but uh, the most recent thing I read on the website was you enter left foot first. I have also uh, been told that you enter on, I can't really remember right now, either the foot away from where the Buddha is in, in a room or the way, or, or the foot nearest. I can't remember which, but it had to do with where the Buddha was in the room. 
what I would do. And then I've also, I, and I've seen it done different ways in like a two or three different centers. I would basically do it whatever way they uh, other people do it. Thank you. And there's a whole lot about the forms you have to do like that because they're not always, ex they're very similar, very similar, but not exactly the same. Wherever you Thanks. Um, so let's see. Oh, this Shashu form, it's also a way we stand when we're standing in a group to listen or to speak. It's just a dignified way of standing. It's a good way to stand and listen. Um, so back to we back to our altar. We've approached our off altar and we've given a little bow. Um, and this may be all you do at this point. It depends on your altar and your physical capabilities and what is possible in your meditation space. So adapt as needed. The point is to honor the practice, the space and yourself. And it can be simple. Uh, and it isn't so much about what you do. It's about offering this practice with an open heart. So here you are at your altar. If you have a candle, you can light it. Apamata, we have two candles. One is used for lighting incense, and then it is snuffed out. By the way, you always snuff a candle instead of blow a candle. So then you light your uh, incense and snuff it out. And then the, the other candle is left lit uh, throughout the whole session. Let's see. Uh, I don't think you need to have two candles for a home practice, but you could if you wanted to. Um, so at this point, if you want to light incense, you can light your incense. And we already talked about uh, incense holders. And there's a kind like we looked at with the ash, but absolutely any kind of incense holder is fine. Anything you want to use. Um, so when you've done that, then you uh, offer a bow to your altar with hands and gasho and walk to your cushion. So again, what I've just described may not be possible for all bodies or in all meditation areas. So adapt as needed. Maybe you need to sit in your chair and light a candle from there, and that's fine. You are preparing the space in yourself for sitting zazen. It is a heartfelt, it is heartfelt, but it can be as simple as you need it to be. So at this point, uh, before we go on to sort of a ne the next section, any questions or comments about this? Yeah, Janev. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure I understood. You bow to the altar, then you light the candle, and then you bow to the altar again? Yes. Okay. Anything else? I was just going to say, I use sand to put my um, incense stick in, and then you can also use rice. I've used rice before, but it attracted ants. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Where do you get sand? Oh, oh, in the in the um, nursery where you buy your plants and stuff, because you use for plants for um, sand for planting. Yeah. Oh, so I can't go to the West Coast just to get some sand. And it's cheaper um, than ordering it from uh, ash from a monastery store. Yeah, or 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 um, you know, one of those crafty type stores like Michaels or you know, Joanne's, those, those types of stores, which should have, should, maybe. So, so you, 
periodically we have too much ash because the incense burns into ash and then we have to empty it out you know empty out some so i'm i'm keeping it in a little container so if you come to apamata you can have some ash <laughs> thank you that's, that's wonderful. well seasoned <laughs> yeah janelle does that, do you also bow to your seat before you sit and we're just come we're coming to that oh sorry so and, no, that's fine. Anything else on this before we move on to your to approaching your seat? Okay. So of course, how you sit uh, depends on uh, your physical capabilities, but um, you approach your cushion or your chair. Uh, and you offer a slight, a, a little bow like this um, with your hands in gasho. And this is honoring your own seat and your own practice. And then you turn clockwise. So all the turns are always clockwise. So then you bow to your seat and then you turn clockwise towards the room. Then facing the room, you do another little bow, and this is acknowledging all the people that are in the room that you're practicing with. Um, but I think uh, both in the Zendo and uh, at home, it's more than that. I think it's also, I would say it's also honoring the ancestors who have always, who sat before you, all the people in the world you're sitting with. So it's a way of acknowledging everyone you're sitting with. Um, now, if you're sitting on a cushion, Okay, so you've, uh, you've bowed to your, your cushion, you've bowed to the room, you continue turning, uh, uh, okay, wait a minute, bow to your cushion, bow to the room. Okay, traditionally, then what you do is facing the room, you sit, you sit on the cushion, and then continue turning clockwise. So I've done all of that, and I'm sitting on my cushion facing the room, and then I'm going to turn clockwise. I would be facing the wall. Imagine that. Always turning clockwise. Um, so I, I have a question, Ellen. Mm -hmm. So at home, so in the Zendo, um, people are, as you said, facing the wall. So um, should I not be facing the altar? Should I fix my altar candle incense, bow to the altar? sit on my cushion and turn to the wall? Would that be more appropriate and more more in in keeping with what everyone is doing in the Zendo? Here's what I say. First of all, you just do what you can, what your space will allow you to do. And um, it does get a little confusing with uh, when it's online, uh, but I, I, actually, I could swivel and, and face. I face the wall if I can. Now, I don't have just a nice big flat expanse of wall here for myself, like I would in a Zendo, but still I, I face my version of the wall. Instead of facing the altar. Yeah. Okay. I've just been thinking of that. Although, yeah, I would say I would say so, but um I'm not gonna I, I also wouldn't judge yeah. you if you face yeah. your altar. Yeah. Not not always so, right? 
and, exactly. and also on Sunday, the third sitting is facing the room. So it's facing the room. And uh, we did mention that a little bit uh, last time that fa that our version of facing the room, in my opinion, would be facing the screen because we talked we talked about facing a pro uh, you're doing it in profile. But I, I, I think our version of facing the room would be facing the screen. So thank you. Uh huh. So let's see. Oh, and I have a question. Yeah. Why clockwise? Was this significant? Why of that? I don't know. Oh, Does okay. anybody know? I just know it's always clockwise. Yes, Kim. Kim knows. What, Kim? You're muted. You really want to know. I do. Yeah. After I tell you, you won't want to know. But because <laughs> we will know then. The left hand is used for cleaning yourself oh, after you go to the bathroom. Oh. And the right hand is always clean. Well, I knew that about certain things. Like you always, you you always would do a mala with. But you all of these, all of these uh, explanations are just what they are, you know. And then someone yeah. else will have another explanation. But okay. But uh, I, that was the last I heard of why we moved clockwise. Well, I mean, it makes total sense to me that you would do a, a mala with your right hand instead of the left, you know, with if that's the reason. But I don't see, I don't get it. That, that's why we walk clockwise. But anyway. There, there's a few things in tea ceremony that where it's reversed. But really? not, yeah, just one or two things. But uh, mostly it's it's clockwise also. Okay, well, now we got all that cleared up. So, um, oh, now, so, so what I've described is traditional. Uh, and if you go to a Soto Zen, any, pretty much any Soto Zen, Zendo, you, this is how people will sit with the clockwise sitting, facing the room, turning, and so forth. Uh, some people do that at Apamata, and some people do not. But I wanted you to uh, be familiar with it. Um, so okay and the last sitting period in the on sunday we face the room right or or at an intensive the last sitting period so if you're sitting on a cushion so uh take your seat at least five minutes uh before the start the clackers start at five minutes before zazen starts So at this point, any comments on how you take your seat? Comments or questions? Oh my gosh, we only have five minutes left. I'm going to have to give more courses. <laughs> I have a quick one. So yeah. um, I have noticed people walk into the Zendo, bow to their seat, bow to the room, sit down. But when the doshi comes in, don't they stand up again? And then they bow when the doshi when the I've seen them bow, you bow when the doshi bows, right? So is, and then no, you sit down. In the first sitting, every, when the doshi walks in, everyone is sitting facing the wall. And you actually, when you're in the zendo, you don't see that the doshi bowing at first. Okay. You're looking at the wall. Okay. We have sort of a special treat being online that if you wish to look, <laughs> there it is. Okay. But, uh, but uh, actually, the first time I I uh, had to do uh, uh, the first time I was um, uh, played the bells, uh, 
I, I had no idea what the doshi did. I'd never seen it. You know, I've been facing the wall the whole time. But, uh, and I'm so sorry that we're running out of time, but I think what I'd like to do is uh, just talk, uh, talk to you about uh, getting up. Uh, it's the same thing when you get up, you rotate, you continue rotating clockwise. And then Kenhen. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kenhen, and I'm just going to real quick say uh, that there'll be two bells for Kenhen. That means stand. Um, and um, the group puts uh, you you uh, stand and uh, you put your hands in Gasho. And the first clapper. Uh, um, you put your hands back in shashu because you're gonna walk. You're gonna walk in shashu. So hands in gashu, then to shashu. Then you face your left and uh, space yourself out in the room evenly. Kenhen is in, done in coordination with everybody else, so you try to keep the same distance between you and the person in front of you uh, uh, continuously. Um, and then. Um, There'll be a, then there'll be another clapper and slow kinhen begins. It's just a little half step. Different groups you'll find do it slower than others. The, my group in Richmond does it much slower than the group at Appamata, but it's still a slow walk and just a little half step. Um, we At Appamata, we do that for seven minutes. Then there'll be another clapper and that's when faster kinhen starts. And then you walk really pretty, fairly rapidly, still hands in shashu, still keeping even distance. And, um, and then a final clapper. At that point, you put your hands in gasho uh, and walk to your seat. And, um, and then there'll be three bells for meditate to return to meditation. And then you bow at that point. So if you're able to do this at home, it's a really excellent way to transfer for what you, from what you do on the cushion to what you do in life. From sitting here on the cushion to how it is to bring that to walking. And um, if you have room to do that at your home, it's really nice to be able to do that. If you can't do that at home, you can sit through, through, sit through it or take a little break. And I'm so sorry we've, we've run out of time. Anything anyone has, any questions anyone has before we call it a day? Yeah, I just want to know why the slow and then fast? Okay, Kim, correct me if I'm wrong. But I <laughs> but I, uh, I think slow is soto. And I think the isn't the fast, uh, 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 what's it called, Rin, Rinzai? Well, that could be. But what's important, Ellen and I and, and Monica also all went to a training in Oregon at a, at a Dharma Rain, and we did an exercise where we had people from 20 different sanghas, and we wrote down what we did in common and what we did, did special, and the only thing... What was the only thing it was like bell or something? Yeah, there were it was so little, exactly the same. And so, and and also the head of um, Austin Zen Center studies tea with my wife, and I was talking to her about a certain form, and she said the important, which Ellen just said, the important thing is to be consistent. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, consistent. You know, but but like to try, there's no consistency from temple to temple. And yeah, that's I was always, less, but I'm saying, I, I was just curious, like, okay, I understand there's no consistency, but at Apple model, what, what is the significance between fast and slow for, for Apple model? And it's really important. Peg scolded me once. I tried to explain bowing or something, and she yeah. really said, "You, you know, when you hear an explanation, then you don't get embodied with what that feels like to you." So that's really that's really essential. What does it feel like to you when you're walking slowly and then speeding up? Because if you hear the explanation, then you start to that starts to like clutter novel things you see and i'm not that's becky um i see becky raising her hand i'm just going to respond to um kim and then you can move forward for me i'm not a person that just follows because you say to do that i need to understand what i'm doing and i think it's important when we pass for me again this is my personal view that when i pass something down i want you to understand what it is i'm giving you rather than just do it because i said so trust me no no it's it. neither you know of those it's neither of those it's really what does this feel like to you for right. example when you're walking very very slow and then you speed up okay i i will say that i've heard that the fast walking is a nod to a, a, another tradition to the renzai right. tradition that's that's their tradition i like that yeah uh, why they do that and why we do this, I don't know, but it's just a nod, a nod to that. Okay. You're muted, Becky. Becky, you're muted. Thank you. I, I can't do almost any of these things, but I am here because I want to have what that is in me. Mm -hmm. And so if I, because I'm present with you all when these things are happening, but I can't physically do them. So for me, what I want to hear from people, what does it feel like in your body? What does it mean for you? What has it brought forth for you? And because then I can go, I can move to it from, well, almost the opposite direction, right? Is, is that I can, I can have what that is, but not do it the physical way that people- Yeah, you can experience it completely. There there's a beautiful area in the Talmud where it talks about how a mute can do prayers. <laughs> no, and, and it's a similar thing that you can do this stuff and people do, I've heard of people doing Qigong who are paralyzed. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. And I, I am so sorry that I wish we had more time. Ellen, don't apologize. You know, it, it's, you know, like with these things, they're just um, natural, especially when you're interacting with each other, right? There's no way to factor that in. That's right. You can't factor that in. And that and uh, that is so important. So yeah. thank you all for that. <laughs> thank you for this. Thank you, Ellen. Everybody. Oh, thank next you. next week, it's going next week, next Saturday, it's going to be uh, the Terry Vada, uh, the awakening poems of the first Buddhist women. We're going to read a few of them and have a chance to, to compose our own awakening poems. Ooh. So don't miss it. Yeah. These are thank really you. wonderful. Yeah. Will we receive, Ellen, will we receive something in advance to read or will we not? Um, hmm, that's a thought. <laughs>
Well, I'm not sure. I hadn't thought about it that far ahead. Yeah, wait and see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't feel one way or the other. I was just curious. I think what I was planning really, and really I need, I need to talk to whoever's going to be the monitor about it. I guess it would be Kim. Uh, I was going to, uh, was hoping to screen share them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. I'm not saying that I have a preference. I was just curious. Yeah. I can't read on screen. Oh, well, we'll read them aloud too, Becky. Uh, do you, uh, now I can give you the, uh, let's see, I'll tell you what I could do. I could, uh, once I, I haven't figured out which poems we're going to read yet, but once I figure it out, uh, then I could, uh, I could uh, see about sending uh, some of the poems out. Or I, I could send it to Becky if you want. Oh, that'd be great. Okay. We'll figure something out, guys. Thank you. Thank but, you. Okay, Thank so you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen, everybody.